Hey, Drunk Mythology friends. I'm Kate. And I'm Other Jen. And I'm Kim. And we're the Drunk, Drunk Dickens, Dickens Gals. Gals. Yeah. What would happen if we all did it in order at the same time? It would oh. be like a rip in the space-time continuum or something. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This and has close. been definitively proven. Yes. <laughs> Just checking. So... Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's time for a Christmas carol, and today is the second stave. Oh. Uh, I, I read through this one, uh, yeah. just you know, have some idea of what was going on, and I have some meaty roles that I'm going to try and bring something special to, so um, you're going to hear oh. some acting today. <laughs> oh, oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Am I still narrator? I, I enjoy being narrator. Okay, I'm yeah. I'm enjoying this role of narrator and good. I feel it's giving you a lot of power. Yeah. Well, it's, and that it's, it's gone almost... to your head, and we have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is like the bandwidth I have right now. Uh, you know, narrator, no fancy accent needed. That's that's where my bandwidth is these days. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all, all I'm thinking is I'm I'm having like I'm feeling weird about Dickens. Like I <laughs> I have I'm feeling some kind of way about all this like yes peer pressure shit that he's putting on Scrooge. But anyway. Yeah. So that's how public I'm doing domain, today. blah blah blah. If anybody wants to know mm-hmm. about public domain, you can Google it or go listen to Dracula episodes from October. That's yeah, all I'm gonna say. Gutenberg, thanks. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And thanks for nothing, dickbag Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, since we can't stave it off any longer, <sighs> I'm going to use this joke for all all of them. I'm just yep. telling you. Oh, There's a go. joke that's better than one that you've absolutely beaten to death. So please do. <laughs> all right. There we go. On to stave two. You know what it's time for. Another yeah. round? <laughs> I, I need I need a first round, but yeah. it's actually time right. for the recap. Yay. Yay! And I'm just going to say, look, Scrooge isn't really a miser. He's a minimalist about two centuries before it was a thing. But still, <laughs> he has just what he needs. I mean, I bet his retirement fund is plush. That's all I'm saying. So Scrooge is uh, Scrooge starts seeing Marley everywhere in the door knocker and the tiles, and we get some hints that maybe that there's some bad seafood in all of the, involved in all of this because a <laughs> low glowing lobster. Really, Marley is just trolling him. Scrooge can't quite believe it's Marley because, I mean, fair Dickens did just spend about four thousand words describing just how goddamn dead Marley is. Drink. Drink. <laughs> Marley and Scrooge proceed to bicker and I'm just saying I'm kind of here for it mm-hmm. like I would totally uh-huh. watch a Victorian version of the odd couple with Scrooge and Marley as oh, long yeah. as it's dead Marley <laughs> drink yep yeah oh yeah there's some moralistic warnings about better do good in this life or else you'll end up like all those spirits flying outside or flying outside around your window and Scrooge is like damn I used to play squash with that guy and that one over there was my golf partner anyway (laughs) Marley warns Scrooge he's gonna have three ghosts come and visit him and given what we know about how Scrooge feels about socializing in general that goes over like a lead fucking balloon in the end Scrooge has a long day of peopling alive and dead and falls asleep and I can't say I fucking blame him anyway carry on yay okay When Scrooge awoke, it was so dark that looking out of bed, he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window from the opaque walls of his chamber. 
He was endeavoring to pierce the darkness with his ferret eyes when the chimes of a neighboring church struck the four quarters, so he listened for the hour. To his great astonishment, the heavy bell went on from six to seven and from seven to eight and regularly up to twelve, then stopped. Twelve. It was past two when he went to bed. The clock was wrong. An icicle must have got into the works. Twelve? He touched the spring of his repeater to correct this most preposterous clock. Its rapid little pulse beat twelve and stopped. Why, it isn't possible that I can have slept through a whole day and far into another night. I mean, it isn't possible that anyone, anything has happened to the sun and this is twelve noon. The idea being an alarming one, he scrambled out of bed and groped his way to the window. He was obliged to rub the frost off with the sleeve of his dressing gown before he could see anything, and could see very little then. All he could make out was that it was still very foggy and extremely cold, and that there was no noise of people running to and fro and making a great stir as there unquestionably would have been if night had beaten off bright day and taken possession of the world. This was a great relief, because... Three days after sight of this first of exchange paid to Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge or his order. What the heck does that mean? I have and no idea. so <laughs> forth would have become a mere United States scrutiny if there were no days to count by. What? Is he throwing shade? He's throwing shade, I think. At, at the United States uh, government? Monetary or? system. Monetary system. I think okay. that's what oh, he's saying. The first of exchange, because you were talking about that's their stock exchange. Yeah. And oh, paid and to Mr. Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge and his order. Okay. And so if things were fucked up, it would have become a United States security, like oh. a stock. Mm-hmm. Which would apparently have been worth very little at that point, I assume. 1843. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're not exactly at the peak of power yet. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Scrooge went to bed again and thought and thought and thought it over and over and over and could make nothing of it. The more he thought, the more perplexed he was. And the more he endeavored not to think, the more he thought. This This is what happens to me in yoga. This is why I can't do yoga. The more they're like, don't think, clear your mind. The more I'm like, ah, my mind, is my mind clear? I I can't tell. My mind is preoccupied with not falling on my fucking face. So I have the opposite (laughs) experience. I feel like he was channeling Dr. Seuss on that paragraph there. Yes, kind (laughs) of. He thought and he thought and he thought. And then he thought some more. (laughs) Marley's ghost bothered him exceedingly. Every time he resolved within himself, after mature inquiry that it was all a dream, his mind flew back again like a strong spring released to its first position and presented the same problem to be worked all through. Was it a dream or not? (laughs) Scrooge lay in this state until the chime had gone three quarters more when he remembered on a sudden that the ghost had warned him of a visitation when the bell tolled one. He resolved to lie awake until the hour was past, and considering that he could no more go to sleep than go to heaven, this was perhaps the wisest resolution in his power. 
Damn. Her quarter was so <laughs> long that he was more than once convinced he must have sunk into a doze unconsciously, been there, and missed the clock. At length, it broke upon his listening ear. Ding dong! A quarter past. Ding dong! Half past. Ding dong! A quarter to it. Ding dong! <laughs> The hour itself and nothing fucking else. I told you there was going to be some acting done today. I love Love it. it. I'm here for (laughs) it. He spoke before the hour bell sounded, which it now did with a deep, dull, hollow, melancholy one. One. (laughs) Light flashed up in the room upon the instant and the curtains of his bed were drawn. The curtains of his bed were drawn aside, I tell you. By a hand. <gasps> no, okay, that's freaky. I would just that is say freaky. Yeah. Yeah. That's props for freaky. Yeah. Okay. Nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Not the curtains at his feet, nor the curtains at his back, but those to which his face was addressed. The curtains of his bed were drawn aside, and Scrooge, starting up into a half-recumbent attitude, found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them as close to it as I am now to you. And I am standing in the spirit at your elbow. Oh, that's, that's just creepy. That's creepy. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. I thought he was going to be like, you know, you're holding this book up to your face, blah, blah, blah. No, he's at my oh. fucking elbow. Dracula's got nothing on this. This is Jesus. like a stoker. Take a page from Dickens, man. Right? What is it, what is it called? Breaking the, the, the third Fourth wall. wall. Fourth wall. Fourth wall. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was Apparently, a st- I would suggest that you got up <laughs> yeah. not with garlic and drive a stick to a top. That is what you would say, yes. <laughs> it was a strange figure like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man viewed through some supernatural medium, which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view and being diminished to a child's proportions. Okay. This is some Benjamin Button shit. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was white as if with age. Yet the face had not (laughs) a wrinkle in it. And the tender, that's the important and, part. Yeah. And the tenderest bloom was on the skin. The arms were very long and muscular, the hands the same, as if its hold were of uncommon strength. Its legs and feet, most delicately formed, were like those upper members bare. It wore a tunic of the purest white, and round its waist was bound a lustrous belt, the sheen of which was beautiful. It held a branch of fresh green holly in its hand and in singular contradiction with that wintry emblem, had its dress trimmed with summer flowers. But the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head there sprung a bright, clear jet of light, by which all this was visible, and which was doubtless the occasion of its using, in its duller moments, a great extinguisher for a cap, which it now held under its arm. That's an image. So basically, yeah. its hair is on fire. Candle. It's a candle. Yes, it's a yeah. candle. We're looking yeah. at a candle. Yeah. But, okay. So uh, just a thing. So the holly 
obviously is a, a really big old traditional symbol of, uh, you know, luck and, oh. uh, you know, it's, you know, very, very, it's actually a very pagan reference, but mm-hmm. right. the fact that its dress was trimmed with summer flowers is, you know, we'll find out because it's the ghost of Christmas past. It's, oh, spoilers. Yeah. Right. For a 200 year old story. I know. Don't yeah. Right. But, you know, the summer flowers. You, that never you know, die. Thinking back to summer is a big Victorian trope. Oh. In referring back to, you know, okay. youth and memory. Got it. Okay. Even this, though, when Scrooge looked at it with increasing steadiness, was not its strangest quality. For at its belt sparkled and glittered now in one part and now in another, and what was light one instant at another time was dark, so the figure itself fluctuated in its distinctness. Being now a thing with one arm, now with one leg, now with twenty legs, now a pair of legs without a head, now a head without a body, of which dissolving parts, no outline would be visible in the dense gloom wherein they melted away. And in the very wonder of this, it would be itself again, distinct and clear as ever. I mean, okay, Lewis Carroll, we're going to have to have a talk about plagiarism. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it reminds me of isn't, like a Star Trek, the original series, Alien. Yeah. I oh. mean, isn't that the Cheshire Cat? Sort mm. of, yeah. You know. But that was mostly where it, it melted away, but it, it, all except for its grin. True. I don't know. This, is, yeah. I never, this is the first time I've actually read this story. And I mean, yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Are you the spirit, sir, whose coming was foretold to me? I am. The voice was my radio voice. That was what I was going to bring you today. (laughs) Oh, damn. (laughs) Yeah. You want to hear it? The greatest hits of the 70s, the 80s, and today. You are the ghost (laughs) of Christmas past. Right. I love it. I love it. I don't bust that up for just anybody. (laughs) The voice was soft and gentle, singularly low, as if instead of being so close beside him, it were at a distance. Who and what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? Inquired Scrooge, observant of its dwarfish stature. No, your past. Perhaps Scrooge could not have told anybody why, if anybody could have asked him, but he had a special desire to see the spirit in his cap and begged him to be covered. What would you so soon put out with worldly hands the light I give? Is it not enough that you're one of those whose passions made this cap and forced me through whole years to trains of years to wear it low upon my brow? Scrooge reverently disclaimed all intention to offend or any knowledge of having willfully bonneted the spirit at any period (laughs) of his life. (laughs) He then made bold to inquire what business brought him there? Your welfare. Scrooge expressed himself much obliged, but much obliged (laughs) could not help (laughs) thinking that a night of unbroken rest would have been more conducive to that end. The spirit (laughs) must have heard him thinking, for it said immediately, Your reclamation, then. Take heed. It put out its strong hand as it spoke and clasped him gently by the arm. 
rise and walk with me. Jesus, this is so fucking creepy. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> that's like right up there with Lucy Westenra. Yeah. <laughs> It would have been in vain for Scrooge to plead that the weather and the hour were not adapted to pedestrian purposes, that bed was warm and the thermometer a long way below freezing, that he was clad but lightly in his slippers, dressing gown, and nightcap, and that he had a cold upon him at that time. The grasp, though gentle as a woman's hand, was not to be resisted. He rose, but finding that the spirit made towards the window, clasped his robe in supplication. I am immortal and liable to fall. Bear but a touch of my hand there, said the spirit, laying it upon his heart. And you shall be upheld in more than this. As the words were spoken, they passed through the wall and, the stood, upon, and stood upon an open country road with fields on either hand the city had entirely vanished not a vestige of it was to be seen the darkness and the mist had vanished with it for it was a clear cold winter day with snow upon the ground good heaven said scrooge clasping his hands together as he looked about him i was bred in this place i was a boy here the spirit gazed upon him mildly. Its gentle touch, though it had been light and instantaneous, appeared still present to the old man's sense of feeling. He was conscious of a thousand odors floating in the air, each one connected with a thousand thoughts and hopes and joys and cares long, long forgotten. Your lip is trembling, and what is that upon your cheek? Scrooge muttered with an unusual catching in his voice that it was a pimple and begged the ghost to lead him where he would. You recollect the way? Remember it, I could walk it blindfolded. Strange to have forgotten it for so many years. Let us go on. They walked along the road, Scrooge recognizing every gate and post and tree, until a little market town appeared in the distance with its bridge, its church, and winding river. Some shaggy ponies now were seen trotting towards them with boys upon their backs who called to other boys in country gigs and carts driven by farmers. All these boys were in great spirits and shouted to each other until the broad fields were so full of merry music that the crisp air laughed to hear it. These are but shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. The jocund travelers came on. I'm guessing that's like joyful, happy, cheerful. Yeah, happy, jolly. Jolly, okay. The jolly travelers came on, and as they came, <laughs> Scrooge knew and named them every one. Why was he rejoiced beyond all bounds to see them? Why did his cold eye glisten and his heart leap up as they went past? Why was he filled with gladness when he heard them give each other Merry Christmas as they parted at crossroads and byways for their several homes? What was Merry Christmas to Scrooge? Out upon Merry Christmas, what good had it ever done to him? The school is not quite deserted. A solitary child, neglected by his friends, is left there still. Scrooge said he knew it. I know it. And he sobbed. 
<laughs> they left the high road by a well-remembered lane and soon approached a mansion of dull red brick with a little weathercock surmounted cupola. Cupola? Cupola? Cupola. Cupola, basically, yeah. Cupola. On the roof and a bell hanging in it. It was a large house, but one of their broken fortunes, for the spacious offices were little used, their walls were damp and mossy, their windows broken and their gates decayed. Fowls clucked and strutted in the stables, and the coach houses and sheds were overrun with grass. Nor was it more retentive of its ancient state within, for entering the dreary hall and glancing through the open doors of many rooms, they found them poorly furnished, cold, and vast. There was an earthy savor in the air, a chilly bareness in the place, which associated itself somehow with too much getting up by candlelight and not too much to eat. They went, the ghost and Scrooge, across the hall to a door at the back of the house. It opened before them and disclosed a long, bare, melancholy room, made barer still by lines of plain deal forms and desks. At one of these, a lonely boy was reading near a feeble fire. Ah, so mm -hmm. little tiny fires the feeble from day fire one. is nothing new. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nothing is new <laughs> and scrooge sat down upon a form and wept to see his poor forgotten self as he used to be not a latent echo in the house not a squeak and scuffle from the mice behind the paneling not a drip from the half-thawed water spout in the dull yard behind not a sigh among the leafless boughs of one despondent poplar, not the idle swinging of an empty storehouse door, no, not a clinking in the fire, but fell upon the heart of Scrooge with a softening influence and gave a freer passage to his tears. <laughs> that, that whole paragraph really feels like twas the night before Christmas went all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, yeah. not even a mouse. Yeah. The spirit yeah. touched Only him the on the arm. depressing version. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the spirit touched him on the arm and pointed to his younger self, intent upon his reading. Suddenly, a man in foreign garments, wonderfully real and distinct to look at, stood outside the window with an axe stuck in his belt and leading by the bridle an ass laden with wood. Why, it's Alibaba. It's dear old honest Alibaba. Although if it's Boston, it should be Alibaba. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I know. One Christmas time when yonder solitary child was left there all alone, he did come for the first time just like that. Poor boy and Valentine and his wild <laughs> brother Orson. <laughs> there they go. And what's his name? Hoop was put down in his drawers asleep at the gate of Damascus. Don't you see him? And the Sultan's groom turned upside down by the genie. And there he is upon his head. Serve him right. I'm glad of it. What business had he to be married to the princess? Fucker. What the hell? Were his only friends characters in books? Is that what we're hearing? Either that or he had been eating bad lobster from a very young age. <laughs> 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 to hear Scrooge expending all the earnestness of his nature on such subjects in a most extraordinary voice between laughing and crying, and to see his heightened and excited face would have been a surprise to his business friends in the city, indeed. 
There's the parrot, green body and yellow tail with a thing like a lettuce growing out of the top of its head. There he is. Aw, oh, man, poor Robinson Crusoe, he called him when he came home again from sailing around the island. Poor Robinson Crusoe, Robin Crusoe, where have you been, Robin Crusoe? The man thought he was dreaming, but he wasn't. It was the parrot, you know. There goes Friday, running for his life to the little creek. Hello, whoop, hello. Oh, my word, this is okay. entertaining. Okay. <laughs> then uh, with he's moved on to the bad shrimp now. <laughs> yeah. With a rapidity of transition very foreign to his usual character, he said, in pity for his former self. Ah, poor boy. And cried again. <sighs> I wish. I Scrooge wish. Scrooge muttered, putting his hand in his pocket and looking about him after drying his eyes with his cuff. But it's too late now. What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing. There was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should have liked to have given him something. That's all. The ghost smiled thoughtfully and waved his hand, saying as it did so, Let us see another Christmas. Scrooge's former self grew larger at the words, and the room became a little darker and more dirty. The panels shrunk, the windows cracked, fragments of plaster fell out of the ceiling, and the naked laths were shown instead. But how all this was brought about, Scrooge knew no more than you do. He only knew that it was quite <laughs> correct that everything had happened so, that there he was, alone again, when all the other boys had gone home for the jolly holidays. He was not reading now, but walking up and down despairingly. Scrooge looked at the ghost and, with a mournful shaking of his head, glanced anxiously toward the door. It opened, and a little girl, much younger than the boy, came darting in and putting her arms about his neck and often kissing him, addressed him as her. Dear, dear brother. Oh, shit. <laughs> I have come home to bring you home, dear brother, to bring you home, home, home. Home, little fan? Yes, home for good and all, home forever and ever. Father is so much kinder than he used to be that home is like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one dear night when I was going to a bed that I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home, and he said, yes, you should. And he sent me a coach to bring you, and you're to be a man, and we're never to come back here. But first, we're to be together all the Christmas long and have the merriest time in all the world. You're quite a woman, little fan. She clapped her hands and laughed and tried to touch his head, but being too little, laughed again and stood on tiptoe to embrace him. Then she began to drag him in her childish eagerness towards the door. And he... This, this kid is a fucking demon is what's going on. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he, nothing loth to go, accompanied her. A terrible voice in the hall cried... Bring down Master Scrooge's box there. And in the hall appeared the schoolmaster himself, who glared Arr. on Master Scrooge with a ferocious condescension and threw him into a dreadful state of mind by shaking hands with him. He then conveyed... <laughs> okay. Really? Okay. He then conveyed him and his sister in the various old well... Of a, of a shivering best parlor that ever was seen, where the maps upon the wall and the celestial and terrestrial uh, terrestrial globes in the windows were waxy with cold. 
Here, he produced a decanter of curiously light wine and a block Don't drink of it. Don't, don't curious, drink and don't eat. <laughs> curiously heavy cake. Hello, Alice. <laughs> and administered uh, installments of those dainties to the young people. Yeah, this is... Yeah, we're going to have to have a creepy. chat with Carol. Creepy. At the same time, sending out a meager servant to offer a glass of something to the postboy who answered that he thanked the gentleman. But if it was the same tap as he had tasted before, he had rather not. Oh, damn. It's a distillation of bad shrimp is what that is. <laughs> Master, Scro <laughs> Master Scrooge's trunk being by this time tied to the top of the chaise, the children bade the schoolmaster goodbye right willingly. And getting into it, drove gaily down the garden sweep, the quick wheels dashing the hoarfrost and snow off from from off the dark leaves of the evergreens like spray. Holy crap, I've had trouble with a lot of those words. <laughs> it's not easily written. Yeah. <laughs> Always a delicate creature whom a breath might have withered, but she had a large heart. So she had. You're right. I will not gainsay it, spirit. God forbid. She died as woman and had, as I think, children. Uh, one child. True, your nephew. Scrooge seemed uneasy in his mind and answered briefly. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although they had but that moment left the school behind them, they were now in the busy thoroughfares of a city where shadowy passengers passed and repassed, where shadowy carts and coaches battled for the way, and all the strife and tumult of a real city were. It was made plain enough by the dressing of the shops that here, too, it was Christmas time again, but it was evening and the streets were lighted up. The ghost stopped at a certain warehouse door and asked Scrooge if he knew it. Know it? I was apprenticed here! Oh, there's a reference to his uh, old, the what we talked about in the the pre, what you call it. Yeah, the warehouse. But also, don't forget, um, he was at school. And after his oh, warehouse right, thing, he went right. to this really crappy school that he right. really hated. <gasps> I forgot Where all about that he just got rescued part. from by yeah. his sister. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yep. And they then he kills in. off his sister that he clearly resented. <laughs> Because oh. she was got to go to music school. Exactly. Oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they went into the warehouse at sight of an old gentleman in a Welsh wig sitting behind such a high desk that if he had been two inches taller, he must have knocked his head against the ceiling. Scrooge cried in great excitement. Why, it's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart. It's Fezziwig alive again. Old Fezziwig laid down his pen and looked up at the clock, which pointed to the hour of seven. He rubbed his hands, adjusted his capacious waistcoat, laughed all over himself from his shoes to his organ of benevolence, <laughs> can't just say heart, and called out in a comfortable oil. Wait, you thought that was his heart? Yeah. <laughs> Is that not? Oh, shit. Damn it. You guys. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Moving on. Call. <laughs> called out in a comfortable oily rich fat jovial voice too many some, that is some stage thesaurus. direction <laughs> yeah go, go, go on, on there oh you <laughs> hold there ebenezer dick 
Speaking Scourge of organs and- of benevolence. <laughs> Scourge's former self, now grown a young man, came briskly in accompanied by his fellow prentice. Oh, Dick Wilkins, to be sure, bless me. Yes, there he is. He was very much attached to me was Dick. Poor Dick. <laughs> Poor Dick. Dear, dear. Yo ho, my boys. No more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shutters up before a man can say Jack Robinson. You wouldn't believe how those two fellows went at it. Oh my god. <laughs> they charged into the street with the shutters. One, two, three. Had them up in their places. Four, five, six. Barred them and pinned them. Seven, eight, nine. And came back before you could have got to twelve, panting like racehorses. Hilly ho! Cried old Fezziwig, skipping down the high desk, skipping down from the high desk with wonderful agility. Clear away, my lads, and let's have lots of room here. Hilly-ho, Dick, cheer up, Ebenezer. Clear away. There was nothing they wouldn't have cleared away or couldn't have cleared away with old Fezziwig looking on. It was done in a minute. Every movable was packed off as if it were dismissed from public life forevermore. The floor was swept and watered, the lamps were trimmed, fuel was heaped upon the fire, and the warehouse was as snug and warm and dry and bright a ballroom as you would desire to see upon a a winter's night. In came a fiddler with a music book and went up to the lofty desk and made an orchestra of it and tuned like fifty stomach aches. What? <laughs> what I mean, have you uh, ever just listened to somebody struggling to tune a fiddle? Oh, fair. Um, yeah, yeah, fair. In came Mrs. Fezziwig, one vast substantial smile. In came the three Miss Fezziwigs, beaming and lovable. In came the six young followers whose hearts they broke. In came all the young men and women employed in the business. In came the housemaid with her cousin, the baker. In came the cook with her brother's particular friend, the milkman. Wank, wank. In came ah, the boy from roommates. over the way. I see. Roommates, yeah. <laughs> Who was suspected of not having bored enough from his master, trying to hide himself behind the girl from next door, but one who was proved to have had her ears pulled by her mistress. In they all came, one after another, some shyly, some boldly, some gracefully, some awkwardly, some pushing, some pulling. In they all came, anyhow and everyhow. Again, I've got Dr. Seuss vibes. <laughs> Away they all went, twenty couples at once, hands half round and back again the other way, down the middle and up again, round and round in various stages of affectionate grouping, Old top couple always turning up in the wrong place. New top couple starting off again as soon as they got there. All top couples at last and not a bottom one to help them. My brain is going the wrong direction with all of this. When (laughs) this result was brought about, old Fezziwig clapping his hands to stop the dance cried out, Well done! And the fiddler plunged his hot face into a pot of porter especially provided for that purpose but scorning rest 
Upon his reappearance, he instantly began again, though there were no dancers yet, as if the other fiddler had been carried home, exhausted on a shutter, and he were a brand new man resolved to beat him out of sight or perish. What the hell? Okay. There were more dances. He was a, he had good stamina. <laughs> oh, he <laughs> got a second wind. Yeah, okay. There were more dances. There were more there were forfeits and more dances and there was cake and there was neg negus 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 that's a Don't. that's a mulled wine kind of drink thing ah okay and there was a great piece of cold roast and there was a great piece of cold boiled and there were mince pies and plenty of beer but the great effect of the evening came after the roast and boiled when the fiddler and artful dog mind the sort of man who knew his business better than you or i could have told it him struck up sir roger de coverley then i look that up yeah uh that is a uh scottish country dance basically that would end a ball it was like the last dance of the evening oh it's like when i used to play the wreck of the edmund fitzgerald when i was a uh, disc jockey in a nightclub yeah exactly (laughs) yeah that meant everybody time to go home Yep. Got it. And it's basically like, it's very, very repetitive and it just goes on for fucking ever. So it's like two encores built into one. (laughs) Oh, nice. Okay. Then old Fezziwig stood out to dance with Mrs. Fezziwig. Top couple two with a good stiff piece of work got out for them. Three or four and 20 pair of partners, people who were not to be trifled with, people who would dance and had no notion of walking but so basically, they, they had... would hop and skip through the whole thing, like okay. not just walk the steps. So yeah, got it. But if they had been twice as many, ah, uh, four times, old Fezziwig would have been a match for them, and so would Mrs. Fezziwig. As to her, she was worthy to be his partner in every sense of the term. If that's not high praise, tell me higher and I'll use it. A positive light appeared to issue from Fezziwig's calves. What? The dude's legs are glowing? <laughs> they shone in every part of the Everything's dance like glowing. moons. You couldn't have predicted at any given time what would have become of them next. And when old Fezziwig and Mrs. Fezziwig had gone all through the dance, advance and retire, both hands to your partner, bow and curtsy, corkscrew, thread the needle, and back again to your place, Fezziwig cut cut so deftly that he appeared to wink with his legs and came upon his feet again without a stagger. When the clock struck 11, this domestic ball broke up. Mr. and Mrs. Fezziwig took their stations, one on either side of the door, and shaking hands with every person individually as he or she went out, wished him or her a Merry Christmas. When everybody had retired but the two prentices, they did the same to them. And thus the cheerful voices died away, and the lads were left to their beds, which were under a counter in the back shop. So they're living at the warehouse. Mm-hmm. During the whole of this time, Scrooge had acted like a man out of his wits. His heart and soul were in the scene and with his former self. He corroborated everything, remembered everything, enjoyed everything, and underwent the strangest agitation. It was not until now, when the bright faces of his former self and Dick were turned from them, that he remembered the ghost and became conscious that it was looking full upon him. 
while the light upon its head burnt very clear. A small matter to make those silly folks so full of gratitude. Small? The spirit signed to him to listen to the two apprentices who were pouring out their hearts in praise of Fezziwig, and when he had done so, said, Why is it not? He has but spent a few pounds of your mortal money, three or four perhaps. Is that so much that he deserves this praise? Uh, it, it, it isn't that said Scrooge, heated by the remark and speaking unconsciously like his former. He felt the spirit's glance and stopped. What's the matter? And no nothing particular. Something, I should think. No, 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 no. I, I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now. That That's all. That's all. His former self turned down the lamps as he gave utterance to the wish, and Scrooge and the ghost again stood side by side, in the open air. My time grows short, quick. This was not addressed to Scrooge or to anyone whom he could see, but it produced an immediate effect. For again, Scrooge saw himself. He was older now, a man in the prime of life. His face had not the harsh and rigid lines of later years, but it had begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. There was an eager, greedy, restless motion in the eye which showed the passion that had taken root and where the shadow of the growing tree would fall. He was not alone, but sat by the side of a fair young girl in a mourning dress, in whose eyes there were tears which sparkled in the light that shone out of the ghost of Christmas past. It matters little, to you very little. Another idol has displaced me, and if it can cheer and comfort you in time to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no just cause to grieve. What idol has displaced you? A golden one. This is the even-handed dealing of the world. There is nothing on which it is so hard as poverty, and there is nothing it professes to condemn with such severity as the pursuit of wealth. You fear the world too much. All your other hopes have merged into the hope of being beyond the chance of its sordid reproach. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until your master passion, gain, engrosses you. Have I not? What then? Even if I have grown so much wiser, what then? I'm not changed towards you. She shook her head. Our contract is an old one. It was made when you were we were both poor and content to be so, until, in good season, we can improve our worldly fortune by our patient industry. You are changed. When it was made, you were another man. I was a boy. Your own feeling tells you that you were not what you are. I am. That which promised happiness when we were one in heart is fraught with misery now that we are two. How often and how keenly I have thought of this, I will not say. It is enough that I have thought of it, and I can release you. Have I ever sought release? That came out really weird. Well, that came out wrong. <laughs> in words? No, never. Uh, in what then? In a changed nature, an altered spirit, in another atmosphere of life, another hope as its great end, in everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If this had never been between us, tell me, would you seek me out and try to win me now? Uh, no. He seemed to yield to the justice of this supposition in spite of himself, but he said with a struggle, 
You think not? I would gladly think otherwise if I could. Heaven knows, when I have learned a truth like this, I know how strong and irresistible it must be. But if you were free today, tomorrow, yesterday, can I even believe that you would choose a dourless girl, you, who in your very confidence with her weighed everything by gain, or choosing her if for a moment you were false enough to your one guiding principle to do so, do I not know that your repentance and regret would surely follow? I do, and I release you with a full heart, for the love of him you once were. Burn. Damn. <laughs> he was about to speak, but with her head turned from him, she resumed. You may, the memory of what is past half makes me hope you will, have pain in this, a very, very brief time, and you will dismiss the recollection of it gladly as an unprofitable dream, from which happened well that you, cho that you awoke. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. She left him and they parted. Didn't even let me get a word in edgewise. But you know like, what, spirit, show me no more. <laughs> Conduct me home. Why do you torture me? One shadow more. No more. No, no, no more. I do not wish to see it. Show me no more. But the relentless ghost pinioned him in both his arms and forced him to observe what happened next. It's like a clockwork orange situation with his eyelids <laughs> propped open. Does he have right. consent? Did, she, did the ghost get consent first? <laughs> I'm not this hearing consent. Clearly not safe or sane, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not hearing consensual either. They were in another scene and place, a room not very large or handsome, but full of comfort. Near to the winter fire sat a beautiful young girl, so like that last that so like that last that Scrooge believed it was the same. I did not follow those words until he saw her now a comely matron sitting opposite her daughter. The noise in this room was perfectly tumultuous, for there were more children there than Scrooge in his agitated state of mind could count. And One, two, three, <laughs> four. <laughs> Little old woman who lived in a shoe. And unlike the celebrated herd in the poem, they were not 40 children conducting themselves like one, but every child was conducting itself like 40. 38, I... 39. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. The consequences were uproarious beyond belief, but no one seemed to care. On the contrary, the mother and daughter laughed heartily and enjoyed it very much. And the latter, soon beginning to mingle in the sports, got pillaged by the young brigands most ruthlessly. What would I not have given to be one of them? Though I never could have been so rude, no, no, I wouldn't for the wealth of all the world have crushed that braided hair and torn it down. And for the precious little shoe, I wouldn't have plucked it off. God bless my soul to save my life. As to measuring her waist in sport as they did, bold young brood, I couldn't have done it. I should have expected <laughs> my arm to have grown round it for a punishment and never come straight again. I am not following any of this. And yet hey, I should have dearly liked, I own, to have touched her lips. What? To have questioned her that she might have opened them. Oh wow! Okay, Dickens is losing himself. He's losing yeah. the thread right here because yeah. like, this is very 
to have looked upon the lashes of her downcast eyes and never raised a blush to have let loose waves of hair an inch of which would be a keepsake beyond price in short I should have liked, I do confess, to have had the lightest license of a child and yet to have been man enough to know its value. Holy shit! Yeah, he's yeah. speaking as himself now, not even as one of the characters. That's and he, weird. And he did have a long-lost first love ah. who turned him down. Kind of like Belle just like okay. gave Scrooge yeah. the brush So, yeah. Yeah, okay. But now a knocking at the door was heard and such a rush immediately ensued that she with laughing face and plundered dress was borne towards it the center of a flushed and boisterous group just in time to greet the father who came home attended by a man laden with Christmas toys and presents. Then the shouting and the struggling and the onslaught that was made on the defenseless porter the scaling him with chairs for ladders to dive into his pockets, despoil him of brown paper parcels, hold on tight by his cravat, hug him round his neck, pommel his back, and kick his legs in irrepressible affection. Yeah, because that's what I do to Sam every day when he comes home from work. I kick his legs. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> you kick him with irrepressible affection. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> The shouts of wonder and delight with which the development of every package was received. The terrible announcement that the baby had been taken in the act of putting a doll's frying pan into his mouth. What? And was more than suspected of having swallowed a fictitious turkey glued on a wooden platter. Uh-oh. I, this is crazy. The immense relief of finding this a false alarm. <laughs> the joy and gratitude <laughs> and ecstasy. They are all indescribable alike. It is enough that by degrees the children and their emotions got out of the parlor and by one stair at a time up to the top of the house where they went to bed and so subsided. Ay, ay, ay. And now Scrooge looked on more attentively than ever when the master of the house, having his daughter leaning fondly on him, sat down with her and her mother at his own fireside. And when he thought that such another creature, quite as graceful and as full of promise, might have called him father and been a springtime in the haggard winter of his life, his sight grew very dim indeed. Belle, said the husband, turning to his wife with a smile. I saw an old friend of yours this afternoon. Who was it? Guess. How can I? Tut, I don't know. She added in the same breath, laughing as she laughed. Mr. Scrooge. Mr. Scrooge it was. I passed his office window, and as it was not shut up, and he had a candle inside, I could scarcely help seeing him. His partner lies upon the point of death, I hear, and there he sat alone, quite alone in the world, I do believe. Spirit, remove me from this place. I told you these shadows of the things that have been. They are what they are. Do not blame me. Remove me. I cannot bear it. He turned upon the ghost and seeing that it looked upon him with a face in which in some strange way there were fragments of all the faces it had shown him wrestled with it. Leave me! Take me back! 
haunt me no longer. In the struggle, if that can be called a struggle, in which the ghost, with no visible resistance on its own part, was undisturbed by any effort of its adversary, Scrooge observed that its light was burning high and bright, and dimly connecting that with its influence over him, he seized the extinguisher cap and by a sudden action pressed it down upon its head. The spirit... Damn, some street moves there, right? The spirit dropped beneath it so that the extinguisher covered its whole form, but though Scrooge pressed it down with all his force, he could not hide the light which streamed from under it in an unbroken flood upon the ground. He was conscious of being exhausted and overcome by an irresistible drowsiness and further of being in his own bedroom. He gave the cap a parting squeeze in which his hand relaxed and had barely time to reel to bed before he sank into a heavy sleep. And that's where we'll stop for today. Wow. What a roller coaster. That was intense. That was intense. I mean, that was genuinely super creepy. I'm still on the... And did you notice the ghost is genderless? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. But uh, yeah, he he got into it with the goddamn ghost. (laughs) Yeah, he scrapped with the ghost. (laughs) Ghostly hands were thrown. I'm still on the, you know, Dickens, the narrator, you know, telling the reader, I'm right there by your elbow. Um, And I'm really into this woman's daughter that I just created in my mind. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's coming up in the next chapter? Uh, Well, one ghost down, two to go, and get your passports ready because we're going on a trip. Yay. Guilt trip. Oh. (laughs) But this time with even more cult brainwashing. Well, I can hardly wait. It's my favorite kind of brainwash. There we go. <laughs> and don't forget to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash drunkmythologygals. Kate also posts funny stuff over on TikTok. <laughs> Black Plague. I can't remember the hand. It turned out just fine. <laughs> fine. It's fine. Um, it's fine. I can't remember the handle over on TikTok, but I think everything over there ends up hitting Instagram. And that handle is Drunk Mythology Gals. <laughs> And that's the same for TikTok. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yep, it's Drunk Mythology Galls all around. Yep. And thank you again for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating review, and tell your friends and family about us, especially if they're like, well, I can't be there in person, but you know what? I'm standing right beside you in spirit at all times, <laughs> so watch what the fuck you're doing. Finally, always remember, if the weird, creepy little ghost with a candle for a head can behave badly... <laughs> <laughs> then so can you. So can you. Oh shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>